You're listening to The Zeitgeist, a podcast focused on Germany, the United States, and the transatlantic relationship. Join us as we discuss economics, politics, security, and more. I'm Jeff Rafke, president of the American Institute for Contemporary German Studies at Johns Hopkins University. Well, I want to welcome all of our listeners to this episode of The Zeitgeist. And let me start by uh, introducing uh, our our guests uh, today. Um, uh, Melanie Mello, hello. Hello, Jeff. Thank you for having me. Ian. Thanks. Uh, great for having uh, having you with us today. And uh, where where are you joining us from? I'm joining you guys from Chandler, Arizona. Okay, very good. And uh, Rohat uh, Akchakaya. Yeah, perfect. Jeff. Hi. Thank you for having me today. Okay. And Rohat, um, uh, you're you're joining us from where? From London, um, exactly. From the campus of the London School of Economics. Very so, good. Yeah. And we. Ha- Thank you. And we have with us uh, Susanna Deeper, who is the Director of Programs and Grants here at AICGS. Hello, Susanna. Hello, Jeff. Hello. And so today we have with us um, uh, Melanie and Rohat, who are participants in uh, our program on social divisions in Germany and the United States. We are in the third year of this project, and we are uh, really delighted this year to be uh, working with Uh, partner cities, uh, Glendale, Arizona, and Memmingen, which is in Bavaria, uh, not far from Munich. And uh, so we're going to talk today about Glendale and uh, a research trip that our our group has done there and uh, what uh, what it what light it sheds uh, on on these these issues. Susanna, maybe I'll turn to you first and just ask um, to tell us a little bit about what the group has been doing uh, in Glendale. Yes, thank you, Jeff. So the project, as you said, is in its third and final year, and it brings together people who are actively engaged in their communities for dialogue in order to understand some of the current divisions that shape our societies and to develop strategies to overcome them. And we, the group of 16 participants from Germany and the United States spend a week in Glendale in late September, where everybody engaged with each other, as well as representatives of local organizations and local government to discuss and explore some of the most pressing challenges the citizens of Glendale are facing. And of course, everything is about social divisions and questions of identity and social cohesion. Very good. Thanks. Uh, thanks, Susanna. So Melanie, help us put Arizona, uh, not Arizona, but Glendale uh, on the map so to speak. Um, uh, What is Glendale? Where is it? Why is it significant? Yeah, so Arizona is uh, located in the southwest of the United States. Um, It's um, bordered in the south by Mexico. To the west, we have California on top, Nevada, um, Utah, and then to uh, to the west, we have New Mexico. And uh, Glendale is uh, located in the West Valley of the Greater Phoenix area. And uh, originally, it was a small farming community, um, William John Murphy, who was charged um, to build a 40 mile long canal connecting uh, you know, up north Flagstaff area with uh, the uh, Greater Phoenix area, uh, brought basically water to Glendale and was able to turn this desert land into a fertile, fertile agriculture um, landscape. And uh, with that, basically, it started, you know, growing as an agricultural community. And, and he brought um, some brethren families to um, Glendale, um, who then started, you know, 
growing vegetables. And later on in the uh, around like 1906, a sugar beet company was built. And that was a little short lived, uh, but uh, I think they worked for like approximately like five to eight years. But that also allowed for my more migrant and immigrant workers to come to the Glendale area and to settle there and start, you know, um, building lives there. Understood. Thank you. And so uh, Glendale is now part of the greater Phoenix uh, area. And um, let's talk a little bit about um, the, the main characteristics, uh, Rohat, um, the, the makeup of the population uh, in Glendale. Yeah, I think, thank you, Jeff, for the question. I think similar to, to most other features, which we probably will also discuss today, growth is the key, and that also relates to the populations. So you have currently 250k inhabitants, which marks a one-year growth just between, for example, 2019-2020, and which is almost growth also of 10% compared to the data of 2010. So it's a which is increasingly... Um, increasingly increasing by its population and which is still a young city. So you have a median age of 33.8. It's a quite mixed city um, compared to ethnics. So you have a majority of white people, but however, 40% of the population can be identified as Hispanics. You also have indigenous population, which which also there. And um, yeah, with a city which is also booming or growing in an economic way, just to make a very smart hint to that. So people get in jobs, the household incomes are increasing. So yeah. Mm-hmm. And so okay. So, so the picture that we're, we're forming here is of, uh, you know, a place that is benefiting in one way from the, uh, you know, the huge uh, growth uh, in population, which, has been going on for decades, uh, the shift of population to the Southwest, among other places in the U.S. And I think that's an important uh, element. You mentioned the that it's a very young population, uh, and I think that's going to play a role in the rest of our discussion. One other thing that really jumped out at me um, in, in looking at some of the data you've compiled, um, this is on the one hand, there is a fairly high poverty rate um, in uh, in Glendale, if I understood correctly. Yeah, we have a poverty rate of 17.2%, which is higher than the national average of almost 30%, uh, 13%. Yeah. One of the things that, that, that strikes me is that uh, Glendale is, is a city with, um, with low, um, uh, with a high poverty rate, um, but also relatively low income inequality. So um, how does that, uh, what does that income inequality look like um, in Glendale? Yeah. Um, I mean, if we just start with the poverty rate, we have a poverty rate, which is higher than the national average. So the poverty rate in Glendale uh, consists of 17.2%, while the national average is on almost 30%. So it's more than 50% more. But it gets more complex if we consider, for example, the Gini index of 0.46, which is a lower inequality than the national average here. So we have higher poverty, but a lower inequality. And uh, the inequality rate also declined in recent years. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. So wage distribution grew basically, but things get more complex if we look actually where the people in Glendale earn um, different money. So we see that people um, in the in the north 
uh, and Southwest cover the areas with, with highest median household income by all, plus 93K and where the people in the East or Southeast are the poorest areas with median income of um, less than 30K. So, and when we then consider a median household income, which actually increases the last years, we still see also in terms of coherence that the inequality mm -hmm. is quite uh, regionally and also by numbers very strong. So um, this geographic, uh, sorry to interrupt, this please. geographic oh. distribution, uh, Susanna, this reminds me of something that I think we've heard in uh, in, in other discussions uh, from some of the other um, uh, cities that you've studied in the course of this project in previous years, that, that you know, there's, you have on the German side and in particular on the American side, this marked um, uh, geographic um, disparity uh, in wealth. Yes, it's that's very true, and it certainly applies to every city we have visited so far in Germany and the U.S. And uh, in particular, we noticed it in Buffalo, New York, where the regional inequality, geographic inequality, was was pretty pronounced. But also in Dortmund, which is the sister city of Buffalo. And we did notice it in, in Glendale as well. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Okay, um, and so so now let's uh, let's come to the the question you know which is sort of at the heart of this project, which is um, what are the what are the most pressing um, or most uh, apparent social divisions um, in in Glendale, and how are they being addressed? Are they being addressed uh, through non-government engagement are they being addressed by local government um how does how does that look uh, melanie maybe we'll turn uh, turn to you uh, on this one yeah i think i just would like to build up uh, on the economic growth that we have witnessed um, and heard many times over and over again in the glendale area i think one of the reasons why we have such a disparity you know with regards to you know the demographic distribution of wealth has really to do with the recent economic development in the Glendale area. For the longest time, the East Valley was actually much was much more developed because um, you know, business settled down there first. And so uh, citizens from the East Valley like Glendale commute over into the East Valley every day, 45 minutes to find work. But now in the last like three and four years since you know Red Bull, for instance, and Baron Rauch came in or White Claw Hard Seltzer, um, said, you know, building their businesses or even now Nestle is um, set, setting up their headquarters there. Um, you know, work is all of a sudden available right in Glendale. So people do no longer have to commute um, and can find jobs right there. So, but then again, the question is like, how much do these um, new jobs pay? When we look, for instance, at our current minimum wage here in Arizona, um, that is $12.80 an hour. If we say, um, I'm just making up a, a, a hypothetical scenario, let's say uh, Nestle is hiring uh, at minimum wage. And uh, I would take a job there for 40 hours a week. I would not be able to afford um, a bedroom apartment. Currently, due to the inflation and just like, you know, economic boom and everybody wants to move to the greater Phoenix area, housing costs just have tremendously increased to the point where right now I have to pay for one bedroom apartment around $1,831. Mm -hmm. According to some data that I found uh, online with regards to homelessness and poverty rates here in um, Arizona, it is said that 
to be able to afford um, housing. Uh, and that being said, you know, just like basically paying for the housing and utilities and have some money left over for food and uh, clothing, um, the minimum wage should be right now at $16.69. So with that in mind, it may make sense why we still have, you know, this disparity present as we see it right now in Glendale, because, you know, mm-hmm. it just doesn't match up the income with the cost of living. Right, right. Okay, understand, um, uh, Susanna. Maybe I'll uh, turn to you as well. Be, uh, you know, it, as as you look at the, you know, you, from your conversations with uh, with government officials, also with community organizations, how do they see this this balance uh, between, or the you know, the responsibility, let's say, to uh, to address, um, you know, these these key uh, kinds of uh, divisions. So from the government's point of view, the economic boom is the most important issue, and it's all presented in a very positive light. And some of the other interlocutors that we met with were more concerned about social inequalities, the climate issue which is 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 incredibly noticeable when you first travel or arrive in in Glendale or in, at the airport because it's clearly there is a water shortage and mm-hmm. somehow that does not does not uh, feature in in the overall picture that we were given in terms of economic boom and everything, this trumps everything and, and every other concern and the economic boom will also take care of all the social inequalities that may or may not exist, including the homelessness situation, which was a topic that that the, the local government is very concerned about. And uh, okay, yeah, I'll leave it at that. Okay, uh, and I want to touch on the climate change, and then I want to come uh, to kind of education and the youth uh, divide um, as well. But maybe let's start with climate change, uh, Rohat. Um, uh, your your observations on um, the ways in which uh, climate change is affecting and uh, and being and being addressed or not addressed. Yeah, I mean, I first of all add with Susan and Melanie that the government or public answer also to climate change was focused on the economic growth. However, actually, when we just have a look on the development in in range of, of climate questions, we see that um, the temperatures are increasing over the last years. We see that almost 40 percent um, of the Marisopa area is affected directly through drought and we do not see any answers. And maybe that's also a very good situation or possibility to, to make a reference to our own experiences, to an own experience to connect social cohesion in, in context of climate change here. Because when I arrived in, in Phoenix, I directly started with a field experiment, um, taking the bus to the to our hotel where our program started. And um, for our audience who's maybe not familiar, you need 20 minutes by a car ride um, from the airport to the hotel. And with the bus, it took me two and a half hours. So that's maybe one point how you can see that social mobility um, with possible outputs and 
or indirect impact on climate change is not addressed here. Um, so, and when we see, or in context of land there, when we have a look, we see that 89% of the people are car users, but who actually ask for the other 11%? And there, the clear answer is that no one is asking for them. Um, it's a minority, but yeah. Um, but if, if you allow, Jeff, just to take a Please. bounce back, um, also to, to the question in, in economic growth um, and cohesion, um, which I emphasize is very important also with, with outcome on, on climate change consequence questions, who actually is then burying the consequences of a missed climate change addressing by the government. Um, We've we seen that property values are, for example, increasing very high, but we also can see by the data of Glendale that men, for example, are in a more privileged situation than women with an average higher income of almost 1.3 times, like 130%. And we see that the largest demographic group suffering by poverty are females um, between 25 and 34. And when you remember in the start of the podcast, we talked about the median age of a young population and still a growing population. So we can actually transfer and interconnect all the aspects with the clear message that it is young women actually suffering the most through the missing dealing with, with climate change here and also missing um, the, 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 the chance for the government to address here economic inequality on a gender base. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, that was a very important point for mine, which I want yeah. to address here. No, no, thank you. Um, that's uh, that, that's that's quite important. And I want to then make this connection because you talked about in particular the 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 challenges um, faced by uh, by young people and uh, by young women. And that reminds me of uh, the point that was raised earlier, and that is the median age uh, in Glendale is quite young. And that, I think, presents a, a, a special uh, set of of challenges in addressing um, inequality. Um, so, uh, can you can you say a bit about uh, how how you see communities in Glendale approaching um, this, perhaps in an educational context, or perhaps more generally, uh, Melanie? Yeah, I think we have seen that um, clearly when we met with the mayor. Um, I. Um, as I think the mayor's office is very much aware that there is kind of a multi-generational gap um, that for the longest time, the city really has focused at the 40 plus year old group um, with regards to policy making and involvement. Um, they had um, lots of events, you know, for veterans, for instance. Um, but I think they realized that they forgot the younger uh, population. And so with the help of the ASU Sustainable Cities uh, Network program, they were able to figure out a way how to connect with the younger generations and get them included um, in the policymaking process. So they started uh, two programs with the help of this project with ASU. One is a so-called Youth Advisory Committee, and the other one is the Community Outreach Committee. So the Youth um, Advisory Committee um, consists uh, of high schoolers, usually 11th graders is what they try to aim um, for the for the applicants, the age range. And these uh, young uh, teenagers have a chance to spend a week with uh, the uh, mayor's office and just to have an insight in the different departments within the the city's offices. Um, and then they learn about the whole, you know, policymaking processes and whatnot. And they survey these teenagers too, to see, you know, what are 
burning issues that they want to talk about? You know, how can we as a city address these issues with the help of these youngsters? And so then the other uh, committee that I just mentioned, the so-called committee outreach committee, the focus right here is to have 15 committee members um, from different backgrounds, different ages, to meet once a month to, again, address uh, current uh, issues as they appear in the Glendale community, and with each other and with the help of the city, come up with uh, possible solutions to these um, issues. I see. I see. Uh, Rohat, anything you want to uh, add to that? Yeah, maybe that the question um, of the field of education is also one with hope um, in context of Glendale and especially also Arizona in, in general. Um, I mean, we have a high education rate of 83%, um, people with high school graduate or higher. And when we have a more specific look, we see that it's more women than men who actually um, get an award or finish university in recent years. Um, and also when we have a look on the community background, we see that there is a very high rate among minorities, ethnic minorities, especially with Hispanics um, or Latino people who finish um, or get their degrees by a rate of 31%, um, which is quite insane, actually. So I think in Germany, we would wish such uh, education rates among um, vulnerable groups or minorities. So yeah, there Glendale and also with uh, the Arizona University or the ASU program um, is some kind of a best practice we can learn quite a lot about. So yeah. Okay. All right. Well, I, I think that is a, a terrific uh, way to uh, to wrap up our conversation, and we look forward to your trip to Memmingen and the research you will do there and the perspectives you will bring back, and and certainly to reflecting those uh, in a future episode. Uh, of this podcast. So uh, I want to thank Melanie Mello and uh, Rohat uh, uh, Akchakaya and uh, and Susanna Deeper for leading this project as you've done since its inception. Um, and we look forward to having uh, perhaps the two of you or perhaps two others uh, from your from your cohort with us uh, on a future episode of the Zeitgeist. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you. Thanks for listening to the Zeitgeist podcast produced by the American Institute for Contemporary German Studies at Johns Hopkins University. Send us your feedback by email to info at AICGS.org or catch us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at AICGS. Don't forget to check out AICGS.org for more information from today's episode. Auf Wiederhören.